Amen. This is what's typically called Palm Sunday. Now you want to know why it's called Palm Sunday. I don't know. <laughs> I said that because <laughs> when, uh, when the Bible talks about them uh, taking uh, limbs and leaves, it didn't specifically say palm, but you know how we do. You, you know how we do it. But if you go with me to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 19. Now, in Luke chapter 19, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, a lot. If you begin at uh, verse 28, uh, it talks about the triumphal entry, which is typically the Palm Sunday message. But that ain't what we're going to do today. So I need you to move down to verse 41. Verse 41. Bible says, now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known, even especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, please read, this is, you know, don't, don't be adding words, just listen to it. It says, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you and surround you and close you in on every side. That's where some of you are this morning. The devil's just making sport of you. And level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another here it is because you did not know the time of your visitation amen I just want to talk to you for just a few minutes about how Jesus wept over Jerusalem Jesus wept over Jerusalem. You can be seated. <clears throat> now, the Bible talks about the, the passage that goes from Jericho to Jerusalem. It's a distance of about 17 miles. Uh, we had the privilege of making that journey. As a matter of fact, the picture that you just saw uh, that picture, we have the same picture because we took that picture. <laughs> Amen. And when you uh, look out from the Mount of Olives, you can see all of Jerusalem. So you know what the city looks like. Amen. Now, when Jesus saw that, the Bible says that he was now, and this is where we get confused sometimes. 
he was on his way into the city. But see, we have the entry before he gets into the city. Okay, am I confusing you? Okay. It's as though you were standing on the top of the bridge here on 70. And you're looking over at the city of Newburgh. But you say that you're in the city of Newburgh. And all the folk are there waiting for you. And they have already done the hosannas. But you have not yet arrived into the main part of the city. And what you're doing is visualizing what's going on there in the city. And it's fitting that we could use our own city. Because the Bible says that when Jesus looked, now let's read it one more time. It says, now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. And then he asked the question, the question that we should probably ask every time. Uh, <laughs> why was he crying? Why was he upset? And sometimes, you know, when people look at our lives, our lives tend to be a little bit predictable. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> you do the same thing over and over again, expecting different outcome. Now we call that, uh, no, I have a new name now. It's called a biological neurological disorder. Is that right? What is it? Okay, whatever she said. That's the, that, that keeps me from having to say that, you know. What you call it? A, a BN, I, NBD. I call it BND. <laughs> it means you have a chemical imbalance <laughs> and your brain's not functioning properly. Huh? Okay, quick side story. You know, when Jesus uh, was in the area of Galilee and, and he was quite frequently out on the Sea of Galilee fishing and, and when he would come in, he would always minister to people. And uh, most of us, I think if you look at the map, you know that the Sea of Galilee and the city of Galilee were in the area of Gennesaret. Didn't mean anything to y'all. Okay. <laughs> I love this. So when Jesus crossed over one day, he ended up in the city of Gennesaret, and there was a demoniac there. Now it's coming back to you now. See, I got it now, Pastor. Well, anyway, uh, you remember that when Jesus first got out of the boat, the first person he saw was the demoniac. And the demoniac greeted Jesus and said to him, Thou son of David, why have you come to torment me before my time? So what are you saying, Pastor? 
it's a quick lesson, and I'll give you that story some other time. But the quick lesson is this, that if you are lucid enough to recognize the truth when you see it, it is not a neurological problem. It is a spiritual problem. Okay? And sometimes it's hard to tell which one is which. All right? Now, keeping all that in mind, <laughs> somebody say, wow, we have nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with the lesson. Now, the Bible teaches us that Jesus was a person who was touched with our infirmities, so he had the same feelings that we do. So when we see a situation, uh, and we see in people's lives the same situation over and over again. If you have a person who chronically won't pay their bills, that's not a spiritual problem. <laughs> you have a habitual liar. Hmm? There's a lot of issues we could go through, but what I'm saying is <laughs> sometimes people, because of their behavior, are predictable. Yes. We see this before. Yes. You know, some people you can talk to and you say, uh-oh, here comes a lie. <laughs> Apparently, y'all met a few of them. <laughs> but nevertheless, if you are that astute, then just think about Jesus when he's looking at the city. Amen. And the Bible says he wept. Now, in, in uh, John chapter 11, it talks about Jesus weeping at Lazarus's uh, tomb. <clears throat> but it's a different kind of weeping. Now, in uh, Lazarus tomb, it was a silent kind of weeping. The Bible says here he wept openly with his chest heaving. And the Bible says, uh, Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 51 says this, and, and, and we've got the scripture for you. But here's what it says. It says that sometimes your eyes have to tell you what's going on with your body. That's why people cry. It is your eyes telling the truth about your soul. Are you following me? Yeah. So he wept. And the reason that he wept is because he knew that this were, this, these were a people who were rebellious and disobedient. I, I, I just can't imagine how many mamas have wept over their children. And they've talked to them and tried to get them to do the right thing. And, and they just... You know, it's even hard to pray because the tears keep rolling when you still, you know, why won't you get, how come you don't understand? Amen. Now, I could tell you what LL Cool J said, Mama said. How come y'all know that? <laughs> <laughs> I 
the lyric is, mama said, knock you out. Okay, because some of y'all saying, what was he doing? <laughs> now, in Matthew chapter 21, the Bible says this in verse 1. It says, now, when he drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, uh, that's the city of figs, uh, at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus uh, sent two disciples. So we know at the place that he was. He was already about into the city. But now his journey was coming to an end. He was at Jerusalem. <clears throat> and the Bible says he was looking over the city. And when he looked at the, uh, uh, the city, he had mixed emotions. Because he could hear the Hosannas. They were waiting for him. They had put the olive, whatever, palm, what, the stuff out. And they had prepared the way. But he was weeping because he knew that they did not really accept him. Now, the Bible says that when he came, he came as the prince of peace. And we have to understand that as he entered the city, there were mixed understandings about what he was going to do when he got there. Whenever we talk about the king coming and we're talking about the king coming, bringing peace, the first thought that we have is that he is going to do something miraculous that's going to change everything. He is going to come in and overpower the Roman army and, and, and just you know, take charge. The problem is, is that we have wrong expectations of what Jesus was supposed to do. You know, the reason that Judas has such a problem and uh, uh, being able to deal with Jesus is because Judas could not focus his mind on what Jesus came to do. Judas could focus his, only focus his mind on what he thought Jesus came to do. Now, I got to stop there and tell you that's what happens in church. We have this idea of what we think Jesus ought to do, and we fix our minds on what we think Jesus ought to do. The problem is it is what we think. And because we are not omniscient, uh, we're not uh, omnipotent and we're not omnipresent, we can't know what Jesus is thinking. You remember I told you on Tuesday about hanging around the graveyard and listening to dead folk? Well, see, this is what we do when we listen to people who are not yet delivered or people who are dead in Christ. Those people cannot help you to get delivered. Because they don't have any truth. Yes. And therefore, you can't grow with that because the only thing you can do is hear what they say. Yes. Now, here's the thing I say to you. When people tell you about what you ought to do, let's look at what they did. Amen. Hello? I expect that if you listen to me, Seriously, if I, I expect that if you listen to me, your life should be better than mine. Amen. Let me, let me. <laughs> if you listen to me, you look at my life. If you listen to me, yours should be better than mine. Did you understand what I just said? Not a competition, 
but because I know where all the traps are. Huh? I know where every landmine is. So I can say, don't do that. Don't go there. And here's the one that mama used to say all the time that folk didn't like. Don't hang with them people. You know, the ones that you just want to, you know. <laughs> but as we get older and we know more, we should be able to pass on truth. So getting back to Jesus, <laughs> Jesus saw this. Jesus knew everything. You understand that. And as he looked over the city, he realized that these were people who were today hollering Hosanna. But by weeks in. Crucified because he knew what kind of people they were. Are y'all listening to me? There's some folk that I know, I know, listen, because I know y'all don't believe this. There's some folk I know I cannot trust. Amen. Amen. Hmm? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I was going to tell you about the Godfather, but I don't want <clears throat> to. Sometime when we're sitting around having coffee, I tell you. About the plot. But the Bible says that no matter where Jesus looked, he found a reason to weep. He said if he looked back, the Bible says, he saw a nation that wasted its opportunities. You know, a lot of folk today have wasted their opportunities. They had a chance to be something, but choose to become nothing. The Bible says, listen now. The reason that they wasted the opportunity because they did not recognize the day of his visitation. Listen, there's a day. Matter of fact, not a day. There are many days when Jesus comes into your presence and gives you a relevant truth, but you will not receive it. Amen. Listen, if you continue this story, you'll find that that uh, uh, rejection of the truth contributes to your destruction. Amen. 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 Then he goes on and said this. Now he looked back, so now he's looking within. The Bible says he saw spiritual ignorance and blindness in the hearts of the people. In other words, they loved Jesus for the stuff that he could do for them. Oh, Lord have mercy. As a pastor, this is a hard thing. Because we're constantly doing things for people who don't love us back. Amen. 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 They'll smile in your face. Oh, pastor, I love you. You're the best pastor ever. And then as soon as somebody else shows up and say, you know, them people over there. You say, yeah, I seen that in them. They'll turn on you. Uh, <clears throat> get myself settled down because I get talking. 
<laughs> but Jesus knew the hearts of the people. See, I know when you come for something that's for you, and I know when you come for something that's for us. Then Jesus, the Bible says, he looked around. And when he looked around, he saw all this religious activity. This is the church today. We got all kinds of stuff going on, but ain't nobody growing up. People are just like they were last year this time and the time before. You know how many churches today are having a Hosanna time. They're just having a great old time, but they haven't done anything to advance the kingdom. Not one thing. When they finish shouting and running and, and preaching and hollering and yelling, they haven't done anything that benefits their community. They haven't changed anybody. Jesus can look at this and see. It's activity, but it has no substance. And, you know, that brings me to a point that maybe you should make sure that what you're doing accounts for something. Amen. Then the Bible says he looked ahead. And when he looked ahead, the Bible says he wept because he saw the judgment coming. And this is the point that, that, that Jesus is making, is that just as sure as you reject the day of his uh, visitation, you will suffer consequences. Hmm? The Bible says that, listen, that whatsoever man soweth, that shall he reap. And I'm telling you right now that sometimes people give you good godly advice. Come on, you reject it. And the Bible says that the only corresponding action must be that God will have to reject you. Hmm? Think about it. We prayed this morning for healing. The Bible says he sent his word and healed our diseases. If you reject his word, guess what else you reject? Well, Pastor, I didn't reject that word. I just rejected that part over there. No. He is his word. So you're saying you can reject my finger, but my hand is good, you know. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> oh, my. Y'all solemn bunch this morning. But what he saw, the Bible says, was the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. Now, the Bible says that when the temple was destroyed, that it was just not uh, 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 the, the physical plant. But the Bible says that there were over 600,000 people that were killed. It was a siege of over 143 days and thousands of people were still wounded in this place. Amen. And when we look at the temple today, as it stands today. Well, yeah, God, I'm getting off into something else. You know, the temple that we're talking about is no longer Christian, right? It's, it is now controlled by Muslims. And that's a whole nother story, which I'll tell you at some other time. Let me just stay with. <laughs> Too much information, right? So the Bible says that the people did not know that God had visited them. You know, sometimes I sense that when we're talking to one another. 
You're standing in the presence of God, but you reject the presence because you don't see it as being the God that you want to hear from. Listen, truth is truth is truth. If it is the truth. Now, the problem is, is that you choose the vessel that you want to give you the truth. And when you choose the vessel, you usually choose the wrong one. Okay, one more side rule. Difference between demonic oppression and what's that thing? NBD. Okay, I'm probably get it by the time the message is over. <laughs> is that when you talk to people, you ever had a conversation with somebody and they told you something about you that you say, in your mind, there's no way they can know that. Yeah. Huh? If that person knows something about you that nobody's told them, and it's not good, it is the devil. Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> if it's an N NBD, they only know what you tell them. Amen. Wow. Did you get that? Come on now, stay with me. So when they know your deep, dark secrets, that's the devil. Why? Why? Listen, why would God go in your past and dig up stuff that's under the blood? Amen. Only one entity will go in your past and pick up stuff to confront you with. That's the devil. And see, the thing is, people always remember stuff that they don't remember. No, I. I, I was sharing my, my son this incident, and, and I think I told you guys before, back in the days when I was policing, this guy was talking to me about me. He was telling me how sorry I was and all the stuff that I had done. And I simply said to him, do you know him? The guy said, yeah, I know him. And he went on to tell me more and more stuff about me. I said, are you sure you know this guy? He says, yeah, I know him. I said, apparently you don't because I'm him. Now, I can't say what he said. But he was sure that he knew me. Just like so many people today are sure. Hmm? You know what's interesting to me? Here I go off one more time. I might as well just have a good time today. It is amazing to me, again, as a pastor after all these years, that all the stuff that you do for people, 
and they'll remember something that somebody said that's contrary to everything you did for them. Open up your house to them, your vehicle, your bank account. And somebody says, you know, that Pastor Rogers is a liar. Yeah, it sure is. They haven't forgot all the stuff you did for them. They will take the word of a person who does not know you and what you did for them. And then you will start to respond to the person who blessed you like they were your enemy. Amen. And some of them are y'all. Hey, I might as well be honest. Amen. Hey, no more. This ain't no lying contest. I'm just saying. <laughs> because listen to me, the pain, the pain of that kind of hurt. That's one of the consequences that that's, you know, that's the. It's the thorn and so every time I see you, I'm remembering why you treat me like that. What? All I did was good, but I remember what Jesus said. I told you the truth. Now you want to kill me? <laughs> Whoa! So the Bible said this. Now let me go on. I got to get from get. Bible says in John chapter 11, uh, John chapter 1, verse 11, it says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. In Luke chapter 19, verse 14, he said, but the citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, watch this. We will not have this man rule over us. Now, that has happened more times than I care to talk about. And since I'm talking about me, I might as well just talk about one more thing. Again, I don't know how many times I have told you what the Lord said that we are to do with you. And you said, mm -mm, you can't tell me what to do. Hmm? God, y'all got quiet. <laughs> so listen very carefully. Let me move on because I know y'all don't want to hear all this. You don't, hear, you don't hear anything about me. But every now and then I have to tell you how I feel. Hey. Mm. We're coming up on 35 years. And some of y'all the same way we met you 35 years ago. So Jesus says, <laughs> Amen. Jesus said this that the reason that he was weeping is because, listen at this. They might have been saved if. If they had known with all their guilt that he was doing things that would bring peace. The Bible says he's our peace. He's broken down every wall. If they had repented and been righteous and received him. He said, if. They had not stained their hands with blood in crucifying him, that they might have been saved. But this is what Jesus said. But now it's too late. 
He said, judgment has already come. Now listen to me very carefully because that's a tricky, tricky scripture. The Bible says that when you reject truth, you must suffer the consequences. You reject Jesus. There's a price to be paid. How else? Listen now. Come on, because I need you to hear this. How else will you know the truth except you get to experience the truth firsthand? Hmm? The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. And if you keep living a lie, not only will you be in bondage, but you're going to have to pay the price. Again, in A.D. 70, when the city when the city was destroyed, that was what Jesus said. It's too late now. You had an opportunity. I came to you. You didn't receive me. Now you're going to have to pay that price for not receiving. Now, you know, that was 70 A.D., so it wasn't the end of the world and your world won't end because of judgment and, and, and uh, because of that judgment for the consequences of your sin. But you're going to pay. We tend to forget that the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Amen. Amen. In other words, that 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 punishment you get is something you work for. You say, I earned this whipping. Huh? <laughs> Most of the ones I ever got, I earned them. Hallelujah. So the Bible says, now let me, let me close this out because I need to get to the end. The Bible says, from now on the truth will be hidden and soon the nation will suffer. And here it is, the part that I wanted to talk about, but I'm going to be real gentle with this. The national wickedness was too great. The cup was full and mercy was exhausted. And Jerusalem, with all of her pride and splendor, come on, the glow of her temple and the pomp of her service must be destroyed. The life that you're living, if you're not living it unto Christ, there's got to be a day when your walls come tumbling down. When the Bible talks about you, uh, about this truth being hidden from you. You know, when we read, read in the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians, the Bible says that uh, all this truth about Christ is now a mystery. And you have to unravel the mystery to know who he is because the truth of the gospel is hidden in Christ. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. So when the Bible says that he came preaching peace in Christmas, you know, uh, glory to God in the highest, peace and goodwill to men. When men rejected his peace, the Bible says there's no more peace on earth. The Bible says all the peace is now in heaven because the peace is in Christ and you have to be in Christ to have his peace. Are you understanding this? So peace on earth. That's why we don't have peace on earth. 
Everywhere you look, people are fighting. Even in the church, people are fighting because there's no peace on earth. Peace is in heaven. Y'all still with me? By the way, it's uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 53, 51 to 53, and Romans chapter 5, verse 1, and Colossians 1.20. That's peace on earth, peace on earth. Okay. But then I want you to turn to one that I didn't give you. Look at 2 Peter. Uh, well, let me let them put it up. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible says, I can't read that. <laughs> They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Baal, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Does that sound like the world today? Seems like everything that's wrong, we just gravitate toward. Every piece of advice that's wrong, we take it. Come on, everything that we shouldn't do, we try it. So the Bible says Jesus had compassion. <laughs> you know, whenever the Bible talks about the compassion of Christ, let me make sure you understand what it's talking about. The compassion of Christ means that there's something in him that motivates him to act on your behalf. Do you understand that? So when the Bible says that he was moved with compassion, it means he does something. Now, the thing that he does is not always the thing that you want him to do. Come on. But he will move. Amen. So the Bible says this. It says that he was entering the city, but the opposition was already there. And he said that a divided Israel received the king into his capital, uh, Jerusalem, just as most people today receive Jesus in church. And most of us receive Jesus today with a divided mind. Half the people come to Christ because they want something. The other half come because they love him. Some people are somewhere in between. I love him, but I need something. Truth of the matter is, if you come to him any other way, except to show him how much you love and appreciate what he did for you, which is both sides of the coin, then you came for the wrong reason. Amen. If I need something, it's in him, so I need to get him first. Yeah. You understanding this? Okay. I'm going to turn the page so I can end this because it's hard to end the messages sometimes. <clears throat> so the Bible says that Jesus wept because the people of Jerusalem had failed to see God's truth. And this is what Jesus' message is for us today. Those who delay making their commitment to Christ are making the same exact mistake. You don't go all in because you're not sure how it's going to end. But if you don't go all in, 
then you're all the way out. Y'all still with me? And the reason that people don't go in 100% is because they fail to recognize the day of his visitation. Now, you know how we do in church sometimes? We say, you know, God is good all the time. And then we say, all the time? And if God is good all the time, the, the, the truth that you reject is canceling the day of his visitation in your life. Okay, y'all didn't quite understand that. Let me, put it, let me put it in some words that make sense. If you will believe a lie rather than the truth, then you have canceled the day of his visitation in your life. The thing that he came to do for you today doesn't get done in your life because you receive the lie rather than the truth. And the Bible said because men's hearts are evil, they love a lie more than the truth. Now, having said all that, let me tell you how we can close this. The reason that Jesus' heart was so troubled by this and the reason that men and women all over the kingdom of God are so troubled by this is because if you can reject truth that's in your presence, you will certainly reject truth that you cannot see. Now, you're, I know you're not getting this because you're looking at me funny. Now, listen to me. Uh, you may not like me, and that's all right. I might not be your cup of tea. Y'all still with me? But what did I do to you? Now, you might not like what I say, but was I wrong? I might not have given you as much money as you asked me for. <laughs> but did I give you any? The question is, are you angry? And I'm just using me. I can use anybody. I can, I, I, I can use Sister McMore. I can use uh, Brett Jones. I can use anybody. Are you angry because of something somebody did or said? Or are you angry because you refuse to accept truth? And if, if you're angry because you refuse to accept the truth, it is because you are having an identity crisis. You don't know who you are, so you mad with me because I do know who I am. I'm going to do the right thing no matter what 
You do. Because your rightness or wrong doesn't have anything to do with me. Oh, yeah. Now, the, the one thing about uh, pastoring that makes it so much fun. Seriously, this, this, this is the fun part. Is that when you can look behind you and folks are following, that's a great thing. But when you look back and ain't nobody. <laughs> I used to tell you all a long time ago when we used to travel a lot. I said, don't be getting up ahead of us. Why would you go if we say we're going to Rocky Mountain? And all of a sudden, you're going to go there and wait because you beat me there. So meanwhile, somewhere around Greenville, my car breaks down. You in Rocky Mountain because you left me. So if I'm the leader, where should you be? Now tell me that's a lesson that we have learned in 35 years. No. Well, Pastor, I know the shortcut, so I can be there before you. Great. So I'm out here with a flat tire while you at the shortcut. Well, Pastor, it don't make no sense to be behind you. You drive too slow. Well, that ain't true, but... <laughs> But if that was the case, you're learning patience. Hmm? And for some, some of you who drive faster than me, you're learning long suffering. He could have passed that car. I'd have been around that. This is life, though. This is life. Listen to me. In life, everybody has to learn that everybody needs help. My help comes from the Lord. The problem is you don't know what the Lord looks like. I come to you and I say, look, sis, you like, look like you're going through something. Is there something I can help you with? Oh, no, Pastor. I'm fine. Y'all know the story, right? Hurricane came. People got flooded. They up on the rooftop. Boat come by. They said, no, I'm going to wait on the Lord. <laughs> Helicopter comes by. Said, no, no, I'm going to wait on the Lord. By and by, they die. They meet the Lord and he said, Lord, why didn't you save me? He said, well, I sent a boat. I sent a helicopter. And I know what he'd be saying. Why you dead?
And that's where some of us are today. You're dead because you won't get on the boat. You won't get in the helicopter. But you're going to wait on the Lord that you recognize. Amen. All right. Stand up on your feet. Now, let me tell you, there's no way you can be saved and God not put people in your pathway. People are put in your path to give you guidance, to give you help, and to bring you deliverance. Now, you can reject all of that and be lost. This is what Jesus was saying as he wept over the city. I've given you the best that I can give and you have rejected it all. Now you're going to have to pay the price. Amen. Today, don't miss your time of visitation. If the Lord is speaking to you today, you need to fix it, whatever is wrong. You may not get this opportunity again. If there's something that's missing in your walk, now's the time to sure it up. If there's something missing in your salvation, meaning you may not be, this is your opportunity to fix that, to rectify it. You need to make a commitment that you're going to follow Christ until he returns. Not, you know, for a day, not for an hour, but until he returns. Allow him to shape you. The Bible talks in the Old Testament about the potter's house. He said, I made a vessel, but the vessel was marred. And the Bible says he just kicked that one aside and decided to make another one. Well, the first one didn't work. That's called Adam. But he made a new vessel. That's called Jesus. And now you have a perfect vessel. Now the perfect vessel has imperfections. And Jesus' sole purpose in being in your life is to cut out and fix and break off and smooth out all the areas of your life that need adjustment. So if I'm talking to you and you need to make a change today, it doesn't have to be just salvation, whatever change you need to make. Come on, I need you to come on up front today and let us pray with you. I know I prayed for you already and you already got healed, but you know you can be healed and still not get saved. Oh yeah, oh, hey, that's true. This is the day, yes. Amen. All right, family, as we wrap up this service today, we want to give you the same opportunity that those in-house are receiving now, and that's to accept uh, Jesus Christ as your personal savior. It is one of the greatest decisions you'll ever make in your life, guaranteed, hands down. Okay, we're talking about uh, eternal life. We're talking about freedom from bondage, sin. Uh, we're talking about uh, 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 a life of healing, a life of hope, 
a life of joy, a life of peace. Listen, if who doesn't want that, okay? It's a simple thing. All you have to do is, is join me in this prayer. It's simple as ABC. First, admit that you're a sinner. Secondly, believe that Christ died for your sins. And thirdly, confess that he is Lord of your life. If that's something that you're interested in today, I want you to join me in this simple prayer. Would you please repeat after me? Say, Father, forgive me, a sinner. I have missed the mark and I have fallen short. But I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die just for me. I thank you that he rose from the grave just for me. And I thank you that he's now seated at the right hand of the Father just for me. Lord, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my master. Thank you for your gift of forgiveness. Wash over me. Cleanse me. Purify me. And I will forever serve you. So now, I confess with my mouth what I believe in my heart. When Jesus was raised from the dead, I am saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so excited for you. We are so proud of you. You have made an awesome decision. Listen, we want to connect with you. We want to pray with you. We don't want to spam you. But listen, if you would do us this favor, if you, if you prayed that prayer with us today, please text the word SAVED to the number here. 252-627-9900. Again, text the word SAVE to 252-627-9900. We don't want to bug you or, or get on your nerves or anything like that. But what we want to do is we want to offer um, a devotional to help you solidify this faith journey. We want to offer a prayer partner for you. We want to offer uh, a church home for you as well. If you're in this area, come check us out. If not, that's okay. Let us know. We'll help you find some place where you are. If you come check us out and say, no, this ain't quite it for me. Let us know. We'll help you find someplace else. Listen, we are about growing the kingdom. We don't care about whether or not you join Dayspring. Uh, we just want you to join a church. Why? Because you need to be surrounded by a community of believers, people who are believing and striving for the same things that you are. If you want things to change around you, you got to change the things around you. Does that make sense? So I can't continue to, 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 to do the same things and expect a different outcome. That's called insanity. And thank God we've been set free and delivered from that foolishness, right? Okay. Moving on. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, again, we are so excited. We're so proud of you. We pray that you got something out of this today. We pray that uh, your life is forever changed by your encounter with us today. Um, and listen, you guys have an amazing week. And just in case your week is not so amazing, make sure it has an amazing you in it. Until we get together again, God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next time.